Amen. Amen. Praise God. Grateful for Marty and John and the worship team and all of those that every week just invite us to the secret place for the Lord. I praise the Lord for you. Thank God for your faithfulness. And yes, Marty, we take that call serious to say, God, you're sending someone, send us. We will go. Amen? Amen. You know, we Christians have a hard time believing that we are special. You know, God spoke of the Apostle Paul and said, you're a chosen vessel of mine. Yes, chosen to suffer, but chosen to be a kingdom agent, to bring glory to the name of Christ and to expand the kingdom work of Almighty God. So what I want you to do, I want you today, I want you to just relax for just a minute. We've had a great, great uh, resurrection morning this past Sunday morning. And, uh, and I want us to think of our relationship with the Lord today because Paul had to do that. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Would you stand with us a little bit in a moment? We're going to read the Word of God. So would you stand with me? And I want you to, uh, I want you to speak to yourself this morning. And I want you to mean it when you say it. Uh, repeat with me, please. And it's as if you're speaking to yourself. All right? Say this to yourself. I am chosen. Now let me hear you again. Say, I am chosen. Say, I am blessed. Say, I am sent. Say, I am God's beloved. I am rich in Christ. I'm co-laboring with Christ. I'm a joint heir with the Father. Now look at your neighbor and say, you're looking at someone special right now. Just look at them and say, you are looking at someone special right now. You are special. You are special. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can I get an amen? I'm going to tell you, you are special. You're called child of God. Can I get an amen? You are special. You're a brother and a sister to somebody that God has chosen sitting or standing next to you. Can I get an amen from you? So you are special this morning, and I want you to know the eyes of God are on you. The eyes of God are on you. The world may give up on you, but God will never give up on you. Amen? And those children you're raising up for the glory of God, they're going to rise and become mighty warriors for the glory of the Father. Last Sunday morning, we had about six between Sunday and Friday, here at uh, the church at Harpeth Heights, there was about 688 people, 688 people that attended the worship services in person and online uh, right here. Like, yeah, that's right. Give God the glory. It's okay to clap in the house of God. Sometimes you have to break some habits, you know. With, with, in our, but we praise God for that. The seed of God's gospel, the seed of worship has resonated in the hearts of many people. And God will work. The Spirit of God will reign on their heart. And they will rise up one Sunday morning and say, you know, I went to the house of God on resurrection morning. And I really felt that I belong. I felt that I, I, am, part, I am somebody. I, I'm part of a family that loves me and cares for me. Well, this is the story of the Apostle Paul. I'm going to read a couple of verses, then we will turn to Acts chapter 9. But in, in the book of Psalm chapter, you don't have to turn it there, but I'm just going to read it to you. Psalm 118 and verses 19 and following. Listen to something that Paul quoted later. He said, open the gates of righteousness for me. And I will enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate. 
The righteous will enter through it. On the road to Damascus, God created a gate for Paul to enter into his journey of righteousness with the Father. So Paul enters into that journey of righteousness. He says, and I'm going to give thanks to you because you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It is wondrous in my sight, Paul said. And now listen to this verse. It's very familiar to you. Paul recites, this is the day that the Lord has made. And let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can we say it together? Repeat with me. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Say it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Did you bring your Bibles with you? Can I see them, whether it's on your phone or actual Bible? Some of it will be on the screen for you. But I'm reading in Acts chapter 9, and I'll read verses 26 and 27. And then in Acts chapter 9, verses 26, and then we'll go to Acts chapter 11, and we'll read a few verses there. The Bible said in verse 26, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Since they did not believe he was a disciple, Barnabas, Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to, to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road, that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Now look in chapter 11 with me. Look at verse 19. Chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers, and disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. God, we love your word. Spirit of God, reign on your word so understanding can reach our minds and our hearts. So etch this passage into our minds, imprint it into our hearts, and apply it into our lives that we may become ambassadors for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Paul, the persecutor of the church, has become a follower of Jesus Christ. The man who used to call the good news bad news, now he's calling the good news the best of news, the best of the news. A man's heart was set in darkness 
on his way to become a violator of those who had become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now that he had seen the Lord, now that he had encountered the Lord, now that he had had an audience with the Father, a one-on-one with the Lord that he was on his way to persecute, now Paul has completely changed. He has become an avid promoter of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has become one who would go into cities and break ground into new territories. He now understands the purpose of the cross. He now feels the power of the resurrection life, and he's going empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to break ground into territories the gospel has never been. God is calling you. God is choosing you. God is assigning you. God's eyes are on you. You say, Fadi, I don't know that I have what it takes to become just like Paul. I'm going to tell you, dear friend, dear brother and sister, God will equip you. God will qualify you. God will prepare you. You take a guy who was born in Damascus, Syria, who knew only four words in English and got to a little town called Martin, Tennessee. He had no idea what a bologna sandwich is all about. He had no idea uh, what, what, what coon hunting is all about. He had no idea how to live in the country, never ridden a tractor, and God took me somewhere, qualified me to love the people and live with the people. And God will take you places to love the people and to live with the people. Somebody say amen. Amen. And that's the journey of the Apostle Paul. The one who used to hate, he now is speaking of the unconditional love of God. The one who used to have less mercy, no mercy, is now the compassionate agent of Almighty God. The one who used to look forward to bring down the church, now he's building the house of the living God. You too can be an Anna in the faith. You too can be a Deborah in the faith. You too can be a Paul and can go on a journey that will change the world. You're a kingdom agent. You're an ambassador for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God gives us Paul as a tradition, as a model. You say, Fadi, what do you mean by that? See, a tradition is something bigger than you. So God takes a man and he empowers him by the Holy Spirit of God, and then he imparts his life to us as a model of a follower and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, that's the life of Paul. It's given to us for us to look into what God can do in somebody who's an ordinary and make an extraordinary agent out of their lives. So Paul is given to us as an example to consider for what it means to be a disciple. So I'm going to give you several statements, and I want you to write some of these statements down because I believe they'll be awesome for us to remember. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus. It's a new day, a new journey, and I thought, Lord, so, so some things are changing in me. So here's my question. I want to answer one question this morning that have two folds. Number one, what happened? When you become a child of God, what happened when you become what's called saved by the grace of God? And then what is expected of you as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? So what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus? What happened to Paul the day after the road to Damascus? What happened to Paul the week after the road to Damascus? What happened to you a month or two or a year later after you've given your life to Jesus Christ? What happened to you and I when we say yes 
to Christ and what is expected of us. I want you to write down all the new things that happen, and I want you to rejoice in these things. These are marvelous things. Do you know that you and I are involved in the only mission that has eternal value? Everything else is fading, but you and I are involved in the only mission that has eternal value because it brings people into an audience with God and eventually bring them into eternity with God forever. The first new thing that happened with the Apostle Paul, and it happened with me, it happened with you, when we said yes to Jesus, God gave us a new family. Thank God for the family of God. Thank God for, God gives us a new family. Some new things happen in Paul's life. The first thing is that God gave him a new family. Now Paul is calling those who used to be his enemies his family. And those who used to be his family have chosen to become Paul's enemies. Paul now has a new family. It's the believers of God. You know the family of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the term the bride of Christ. I love that. The bride of Christ, the church of Christ. See, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is what we call the universal church. That's the believe, those who believe in Christ from all over the earth, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Sometimes when I'm traveling, if I'm in Africa or if I'm in the Middle East or sometimes if I'm in South America, wherever God takes me, I'll meet believers on the plane or the airport or when I get there and I just I stand amazed I'm just meeting my brother <laughs> I'm just meeting my sister I'm meeting my family who I'm going to spend eternity and you see there's the universal bride of Christ and then there's the historical bride of Christ that's the family of God it's what began at Pentecost it we what we call we call that the church age right and then there's the local body of Christ the bride of Christ that's the people sitting next to you that's the people behind you. That's the people in front of you. These are the people you do life with. These are the people you walk that journey with. This is the local body who loves you regardless, who builds you regardless, who encourages you regardless. That's the local family of God. And God gave Paul a new family. Now all people, those that are Gentiles that are saved and those that are Jews that are saved have become Paul's new family. Somebody said, thank God for the family of God. Say, thank God for the family of God. <laughs> now go back with me to Acts chapter 9. Let me show you the second statement. The second thing that happened in Paul's life is not only he has a new family, now Paul has a new journey with God. He has a new journey with God. As a matter of fact, in chapter 9, and we look together in verse 19, the Bible said in verse 19, and after taking some food, he regained, in Acts chapter 9, he regained his strength, and Saul was with the disciples in Damascus. When you go back before that few verses when Christ confronted Paul on the, Lord to, on, on the, word, on, on the road to Damascus, God was introducing himself to Paul. God now has a new journey with the apostle Paul. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 1, God, the Bible tells us that God, after he spent some time with the disciples, God isolated Paul on the desert of Arabia for three years to encounter the Father. When you become a child of the living God, you've got a great discovery to experience. What is it? To discover who your Lord is. To discover the will of God for your life. To discover how Jehovah God works in your life and all around your life. You see, God said to Paul, before you start receiving from theologians and before you begin 
begin reading books and before you begin to go back to the Torah to interpret it the way you want to, I want you for myself. I want a separated journey with you. I'm going to reorient who I am to you and, and your understanding of who I am. So he separates him for three years back and forth, back and forth into that secret place. I often advise people who become children of God, just newly born children of God. The first thing I encourage you to do, get your Bible, and then I say, get your notebook, and then I get you, get a, get a pen and a marker, and I want you to go through the letters in red. Go through the Gospels and go through the letters in red, what Jesus said, what Jesus would do, what Jesus would impart, the principles, because I want you to know who your God is. And that's what God did with the Apostle Paul. He took him aside to reintroduce himself to the Apostle Paul. The Bible says in 1 Peter, like a newborn babe who longed for the milk of the Word so he can grow by it. So God gave Paul a new family. God gave Paul a new journey with him. And then God gave Paul a new mindset. He now has the mind of Christ. He now has the mind of Christ. Paul goes out and he begins to preach the gospel, verses 20 through 24 of Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 24. See, there's no private faith. Come on, somebody say amen to that. There's no such a thing as private faith. People say, well, that's, well, pastor, well, that's my, my, my journey and that's my faith and it's private. There's no such a thing in the Word of God. God only gives us public faith. Paul goes out after he'd spent time with the Father and he goes out and the first thing he does, he proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he does it openly. And he does it publicly. He does it in the synagogues. He does it in the streets. He goes down and he begins to preach it to the point that even his enemies said, wasn't this the guy who was out there to persecute the body of Christ? Now he is one with the body of Christ. He has a new mindset. He has a new ministry. Now he's got a new skill. It's coming through the Holy Spirit of God. Now he's got new boldness about him. He's dynamically changing in three years, the Apostle Paul was known all over Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, and is about to get known all over the earth. Can I ask you a question? How did your journey of the first three years look like? How are you doing since you've been a child of the living God? Do people know what you stand for? Do people know what your conviction is all about? Is there any doubt whatsoever about what's in you, what's working through you, and how God is relating to the world through your testimony? How did you do the first three years? Were there disciples made because you took God seriously, because God takes you serious? So Paul has a new family. Paul has a new journey with the Lord. Paul has a new mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And then number four, Paul has a new purpose. He has a new purpose. Paul now understand, as he wrote in Philippians 3.10, I know the power of the resurrection of Christ. I understand the suffering of Christ. I'm being conformed to the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understands now. He goes with a new purpose into the earth, with the resurrection power of Christ in him 
He now goes forward to impart what has come into him, outside of him, so they may change the world all around him. That's the Apostle Paul. That's the journey of every disciple. That's what I ought to do. My faith is public. My God is real. My mindset is new. My purpose is eternal. And I'm going forward to touch the lives of people the same way my life has been touched. He put it this way. He gave us a verse that's become my life's verse, Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. And he did what? And he gave himself for me. In Philippians chapter 1, he put it this way. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. See, he has a new purpose now. He's living for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a new family. He has a new journey with God. He has a new mindset. He has a new purpose. And now watch this. He has a new mission. Paul has a new mission in Acts chapter 9 and verse 24. Look with me to verse 24 in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says in verse 24, But Saul learned of their plot. They were coming to kill him, so they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But watch verse 25. But the disciples, his disciples, the Bible said, his disciples, not his disciple, but his disciples took him by night and lowered him into a large basket through an opening in the wall. I used to walk those streets where the wall is in Damascus. And now there's a memorial there where they lowered the basket. You will say, I wish I, wish I brought the picture. Maybe someday I'll bring it in here. And there is a marker there on that wall where they brought him. This was not a small basket. This is a big basket that they had to make and go out into the harvest and bring things. And they lowered him in. But, but did you notice what the Word of God said? His disciples. What is your mission, Paul? Make disciples. In three years, the apostle Paul had brought about many to the Lord Jesus Christ. In three years, the apostle Paul had made disciples and multiplied. In three years, he multiplied the fruit of his life 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Because he understood that God can call him out into a new territory at any given time. And so now he wants, to, he wants the mission to continue. So he makes disciples for the glory of God. Look at me for just a second. We don't make disciples to just pack up church pews. We don't make, <laughs> we don't make disciples so we can grow numbers. We don't make disciples so we can say we're competing with other religions. We make disciples to advance the kingdom of God into territories where it's never been. Bellevue need the gospel. Nashville needs the gospel. Middle Tennessee needs the gospel. Tennessee needs the gospel. America needs the gospel. And what we need is disciples that are willing to go with God for the glory of God. And Paul understands that mission. He has a new mindset. He has a new purpose. His mission is to make disciples for the glory of God to continue to go. And here he is. He's going out. And then we get to verse 26. He not only has a new mission, he has a new foundation. This is powerful. Verse 26, the Bible says, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe that he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the disciples. <clears throat> 
and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus. Well, of course, he has a new mindset. He's bold about the gospel. He had walked with God. There's disciples, the fruit of his ministry. Now he's speaking. And I love what Barnabas said. He said, I know that the Lord has spoken to him. How do we know that? How do we know that God has spoken to you because of the fruit of your life. You see, he's got, a, he's, got the, he's got the harvest that Marty was talking about this morning. He's got the harvest, but he's got a new foundation. Now think with me for just a second. Paul leaves Jerusalem on his way to Damascus to prosecute those followers of the way, <clears throat> followers of Jesus Christ. So he's on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus. He gets to Damascus. He's now a child of the living God. Now he makes his journey back, all the way back to Jerusalem. And now on his way to Jerusalem, he later leaves from Jerusalem to Cilicia, and then he goes to Cyprus and other places. And all through it, all through his journey, Paul is facing the same thing. Paul has been rejected. Paul has been renounced. Paul is being doubted. Paul is facing people that doesn't even believe in him. He has no family. He, he lost the right to earn a living. He lost his, his, he had to begin a new journey with God and learn theology all over again. And Paul now has nowhere to turn. And he turns to the body of Christ. He turns to the people of Jerusalem and they don't believe in him. They doubted that he's even real. How do you feel about that? How do you like that? How do you like it to know, to come to a place where you feel that you should belong, you should be loved, and you'd be accepted and encouraged and lift up, and the people reject you? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Fadi. I'm going to pack up my tent, and I'm out of here. That's not what Paul did. That's not what he did. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get me a few people, and we're going to go start a new church. That's not what he did. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go start my own denomination. That's not what he did. He didn't pout. He didn't start a new church. By the way, scripturally speaking, any sent body of believers have to be anointed and sent by the local body of Christ. Are y'all all right? Are y'all awake? If you're awake, wave at me, please, your right hand. <laughs> so Paul did not pout. He did not go. Why? Because he has Christ in him. He's on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? He's got a new foundation. His foundation, his confidence is not in his own righteousness, but it's in Christ. He's like David. He's like Abraham. He's like Moses. He's like Joseph. Everywhere he goes, he's run out of town, but he doesn't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Why? You have a new family that loves you. Don't give up. Why? You have a God that loves you. Don't give up. Why? You have a new mindset is the mind of God. Don't give up. Why? Because you have a new purpose in life. Don't give up. Why? Because you have a new foundation. It's Christ the Lord in you, the hope of glory. Are y'all all right? Are you okay? And then look at this. He now has a new mentor. Number six. Seven, eight, nine. Right, I forgot the, the number. But anyway, here it is. Write it down. The next thing, he's got a new mentor. He goes back to Jerusalem. Barnabas reintroduces him to the council. Later on, we'll find out in the book of Galatians how he spent two weeks with Peter. Paul now has a new mentor. Peter is his mentor. 
Look at Peter for just a second. I want you to write this down. Peter, Peter has to teach him things about Jesus because Peter has experienced Christ in person. Paul had never experienced him in person. Peter has been a believer for six years. Paul has been a believer for now three years. And Peter now has become his mentor, imparting to him things about Christ that Paul loved to learn. Loved to learn. Now watch this. This is important. And this is what you need to write down this morning. Everybody needs somebody over you. Need somebody under you and need somebody to walk with you. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a mentor. And everybody needs somebody to walk the mission with him. Everybody needs to be mentored. Everybody needs to mentor somebody else. And everybody needs a journeyman to walk with them through the journey of life. In your life as a child of God. You need an overseer, you need somebody else that you can invest in, and then you need somebody to walk with you eye to eye and ask you the hard questions about your life because you want to stay an agent of righteousness for the glory of God. Everybody, everybody needs a Peter, everybody needs a Timothy, and everybody needs a Barnabas. Did you write that down? Everybody needs someone to build in you, somebody you can build in, and somebody you can build with. You need a mentor, you need somebody to mentor, and you need somebody to walk that mission with you. And that's how we grow in the faith, in the journey of God. Peter became Paul's mentor. Later on, he goes back to Jerusalem to the council, and he is sitting in the presence of Peter and the others, and he's learning. A great believer and a great leader is a great learner, and you need that. But I love what the Bible says in chapter 11 in here. This is where it culminates. You see, they did not believe in Barnabas. Peter had a, uh, Paul had a Peter. He was investing in him. Paul had a Timothy and a Mark and, and Silas and others he was investing in. <clears throat> And then Paul, the Bible said, had a Barnabas. And Barnabas was his journeyman. He walked with him. He taught him. He learned from him. And together they sharpened one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You choose somebody who will walk with you through thick and thin. And you will know that God is equipping you. And I love what God did in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 and following. The Bible says that Barnabas sees that there is a revival in Antioch. And this revival there in Antioch is, is moving. The Holy Spirit is breaking into new territory. And the people are coming to Christ. The Gentiles now are drawn to the gospel. They're drawn to the gospel. And the council in Jerusalem hears about it. So they send a man full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And he goes to discern what's going on. And then he comes back and reports to Paul. And Barnabas and Paul are leading the way now. Let me give you quickly four things that happen when somebody walk with you. Remember, you need somebody to build into you, somebody you build in, and then somebody you build with. And now we go. There it is. Paul and Barnabas are building the kingdom of God together. When they agreed or disagreed. What happened? The first thing they, they become, they become encouragers. Encouragers. Remember that's the name. Barnabas' name is the son of encouragement. Everywhere you go, you're encouraging people to know that God loves them, that he cares for them, that he wants to invest in them. Someone said, discouragement is the dark room well, all the negative of failures are developed. People around us are very discouraged. People around you are very discouraged. 
Someone said, with encouragement, people can do the impossible. When you encourage somebody, when you build somebody, they can do the impossible. Barnabas encouraged the church in Jerusalem. Paul learned about it, and he begins to encourage the churches all over the Gentile world. Together, they became encouragers. Number two, together, not only they became encouragers, they became burden bearers. Burden bearers. As a matter of fact, when we go to Acts, just put that scripture down. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. The Bible said that Barnabas had a piece of land. He saw the need. He came in and lifted that burden. He sold that piece of land to meet the needs of the people in Jerusalem. People getting saved. They're wanting to stay and learn the word. And the Bible said Barnabas was a man who lifted that burden. Later on, Paul did the same thing for the church in Jerusalem. He takes an offering and he sends it back to the church of Jerusalem to help meet that needs. That's what Susan is trying to teach us. There are 9,000 kids that need foster homes. And we need to build and encourage others. There's some people sitting next to you that need encouragement. Then you may not know about it, but you need to ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment for what their needs are so you can become an encourager. Barnabas and Paul, they're encouragers, they're burden bearers, and number three, they are, they're bridge builders. They're bridge builders. There's revival going on in Antioch. And they come in, and Barnabas comes in, and he senses what God is doing. He sees what God has done in Jerusalem and the breakthrough of Pentecost and the growth. He sees what God is doing in the new world of the Gentiles. He sees what the past was like. He sees the new wine that needs new wineskin. He sees what God has done in the past. He looks to the frontier. He sees what the former vision was like. He sees what the future vision is like. And he goes and gets Paul, and he said, let's you and I build bridges between Jerusalem and Antioch. Because Jerusalem was the first sending center. Antioch becomes the second church sending center. Why? Because Barnabas and Paul came in and built that bridge. And now Paul is on mission with Barnabas to teach the people in Antioch. Chapter 13 tells us they begin to send disciples all over the earth. They became bridge builders. They did not destroy the work. They build the work. So together, they were encouragers. Together, they were build, building bridges for the, for the gospel to go forward. Together, they lifted up the burdens. And lastly, together, they were disciple developers. They were disciple makers. The Bible says in Acts chapter 11 and verse 25 that people were called Christians first. In Antioch. Now, whether that an accusation or whether it was just a, a testimony of, of their faith, the Bible says that they were called Christians, followers of Christ the Lord. They were disciples. Now, look at this. This is awesome. He gets saved, and right in Damascus, he's making disciples. He is now growing with Christ. Right in Antioch, he's making disciples. He goes from Antioch and goes to another place on his journey, and he's making disciples. Barnabas. Paul has become disciple makers. You see, you need somebody to build into you, somebody over you. You need somebody to build into, and you need somebody to build with. And together they were building the kingdom of God. What happened in the life of the apostle Paul is exactly what happened in your life. What happened in your life? I want you to understand, when I came to, the, to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, God brought a man from, from, from Hickman, Kentucky. 
from Hickman, Kentucky, to pour into my life. Brother Len Walker would take time to study the Word of God with me. He was my overseer. He had spiritual intuition and insight that I never had. I had to relearn the Bible. Everything you knew about the Bible before salvation, you need to relearn after salvation. Why? Because now you see it in the context of Jesus the Lord. Are you with me, somebody? And Paul had to learn it. I needed a Lynn Walker in my life. But I also had many folks that have come through our church house, and I was able to invest in them. I, I remember Andrew, who now is a pastor. I remember Andy, who pastored and now is serving on his staff. I remember Nathan, who now serves their pastorate in, in Chattanooga. I remember missionaries that went out to, 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 uh, to China. I remember people that I was able to invest in, but I also had people to walk that journey with me in the church. I had a John Gillespie to walk with me, and I had Tim to walk with me, and I had others, and together we would sit at the feet of God, and we will draw from the Lord together. we process. I had a Jesse who invested in me, and I had other people to walk with me. Why? Because our mission is to encourage the body of Christ, to build the body of Christ, to build bridges into new territories, and to make disciples for the glory of God. Now, if you're here in the house of God, or you're watching me online, and you don't know that Jesus is Lord of your life, the greatest decision you could ever make is to do what Paul did, and that is to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens, Fadi, if that happened? You get a new family that loves you and cares for you. You get a new identity and a new journey with God. You get a new mindset. It's the mind of Christ. You get a new purpose in Christ and for Christ. You have a new foundation. It is Christ the Lord. You'll have a new mentor in the Word and the Holy Spirit and men and women that God bring your way. God will entrust you with people to bring up for His glory. And He will give you people to walk that journey with you for His glory. See, that is the life of a follower of Christ. And the ultimate destination is to be in His presence, on His way to be forever in His presence. A little boy was lost, and he was trying to find his way home. And a man found him. He knew that the boy was just wandering, wandering. And he said, young man, are you okay? He said, sir, I'm lost. I'm trying to find my home. He said, well, can you give me some signals about where your house may be? Uh, is there a school around your house? He said, no, sir. Is there some kind of shopping areas around your house? He said, no, sir. Is there a market there? He says, no, sir. He said, son, can you give me some kind of signals? He said, I don't know what to tell you, sir. I'm looking. I'm going from neighborhood to another. And finally, the man said, is there a, is there a church near your house? And the little boy just perked up. And he said, is there a cross on top of that church? And the little boy said, take me to the cross, and I'll find my way home. And on the road to Damascus, Christ the resurrected Lord showed up as the God who went to the cross, was buried for our resurrection, and then he came out of the grave and conquered hell, sin, and the grave. You need to find your way to the cross today. If you don't know Christ as Lord of your life, I'm going to invite you to come home. Come to your family, the family of God. Would you bow your head with me? Every head bow and every eye close. Every head bow and every eye close. If you're asking the Lord today, God, I'm a sinner. I want you to know you're going to hear the Father say, I'll make you a saint. God, but my life is, is, is just in shambles. It's broken. 
God says, I'm the potter that puts the pieces together. Let me make a great man out of you. Let me make a great woman out of you. Let me make a great daddy out of you and a great mother out of you. If you're here and you want to know Christ as Lord of your life, pray quietly in your heart right now, dear Jesus. Come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, for I am a sinner with a sinful nature. Save me. Change me. Be my Lord. Be my God. In Jesus' name.